and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, the podcast where Kim and Amy bring you spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations for whatever we read this week. Amy, what did we read? We read The Arrangement by Mary Ballow. Which, which was a recommend. It was a recommendation as part of our Please Tell Us What Mary Ballow is to Read. Great. And this one came in from Tara. Oh, hi, Tara. Who gave us a list of ones that That's she'd right. read in I the past. I think this one was like her close to the top of her list of okay. the ones that she enjoyed. That's I feel like that's true, but I haven't got up your email. Sorry, Tara. Okay, shall I do our spoiler-free recap? Please. When is it set, Amy? It's set in the Regency period, so the Napoleonic Wars are going ja- on. Yeah, they're still happening, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, so it's a part of Mary Bellow's like survivors yeah survivors club which is basically about all these people who've suffered some form of trauma in the napoleonic wars and they find each other and and kind of they catch up once a year at one of them is a duke so they catch up at his like estate and essentially support each other through trauma and trying to find a way to restart their lives yeah so the person we follow in this one is vincent lord darley who returned from the Napoleonic Wars quite quickly. He was only ever in one battle, signed up as a young man, and went over there with his boyhood friend, who was the blacksmith's son, and they were, like, going to, you know, be amazing. He was he the was not, officer. Martin he was, was the, the officer. Batman. He was the Batman. And Lord Darley was never expected or expecting to inherit. So that's why he was kind of like allowed to go be an officer in the Napoleonic Wars. In his very first battle, something went wrong with a cannon. He put his face too close to the cannon and it went off. Afterwards, he, at the, once all of it was said and done, he was blind. And his sight is never to return. So it's been six years. He's now 23 and he's been blind for six years. Yes. And when he returned home, it was a couple of years after he returned home and was trying to recuperate. It was a couple of years when he was tracked down to be told that he had inherited the title, Lord Darley. Yeah. And the the estate and all of those things. So, like, that place where he now lives in this big estate is unfamiliar to him. It was never really his home. He is surrounded by a bunch of very well-meaning, very caring female relatives. Mum, grandma, lots of sisters. Lots of sisters. Everyone lives close enough to his estate that they are, like, mum and grandma just moved in and refuse to return to Bath because he needs them and his sisters pop around all the time. He's reached the age where they have decided it's – and he gets around okay. Like, he kind of – between him and Martin, who He's got a cane. Martin um, gives him a little bit of a help if when he needs it. Yeah, and so between kind of them, he has – kind of settled a little bit into his life, but feels that his existence is very much dependent upon the women around him. And so his females have decided it's time for him to marry and have invited a woman to the estate for that purpose. Vincent quickly is like, nope, she's not for me, and runs away, <laughs> which is not a like awesome choice, but that's what he does. And he actually ends up back in his hometown in his original house, which they never sold or let or anything like that. They just kept it closed up and he pays someone to come and maintain it, you know, once a month or whatever, so that if his mum ever wants to go back there or they want it, they can always go back to that house because he has 
you know, ample resources. And while he is there, everyone in that town where he grew up. He's like, I'll just go and hide. No one will know. Yeah, no one will know I'm there. Don't tell anyone I'm back. Unfortunately. No, it gets out in 20 seconds' time. And so everyone, like, throws an assembly for him and visitors pop around all the time. And it's an interesting place that he never wanted to go back to because – He's a very handsome, virile, leader of the pack kind of man. And all of the people who knew him in his hometown knew him in that way and didn't know him as a blind man. And so he didn't want to go back there and be kind of be seen by all these people who would potentially see him as as less, as diminished yeah. in some way and pity him and that kind but of thing. It turns out. Turns out that's not how it went down. He actually, it was really cathartic for him to go home and see that for being blind, so much about him has not changed at all. And the way he's perceived has changed probably a lot less than the way he perceives himself. While there, he meets Sophia because the Marches, who are the other kind of aristocratic family that live in the area, have a daughter I want to say her name is like Helena or something. It's Henrietta. Oh, so close. She's of marriageable age. And very pretty, but callous and cruel. And so Henrietta has decided with her family that they need to entrap Lord Darley. Henrietta was opposed to begin with because he's, you know, maimed from the war. But when they invite him around for dinner, it turns out he is still incredibly handsome and you can hardly even tell he's blind. Henrietta's back in. So they devise a plot to entrap him him into marriage. Staying with Henrietta and her family is Henrietta's cousin, so the Mrs. March, Lady March's niece, and her name is Sophia. She's orphaned. Orphaned. Her dad was a bit of a blackguard and definitely disreputable, even though he was a lord. And her mum, everyone was aristocracy, but her dad just behaved in an atrocious way and, like, died in a duel. And she had been then passed from relative to relative. No one wanted her. And she's known as the mouse. No one's ever called her Sophia and most people haven't even noticed she's there. She She just sits quietly. Hand-me-downs from Henrietta that don't fit her because she's a little tiny person. She's not quite a servant. She's not quite a member of the family. Mm. So it's she lives in this awful in-between place. She certainly doesn't have anything she could call her own or a home and she feels invisible. And so... She meets Vincent when he comes to call, but obviously being blind, no one introduces her because why would they? So there's this interesting scene where he kind of perceives she's there, hears her referenced by someone else in a kind of offhanded way. Go fetch that thing. Yeah, but she's totally silent as she moves, and so he's kind of trying to piece together what's going on. So he kind of is very aware of her. And then when Henrietta at an assembly tries to trap him in marriage, Sophia goes out of her way to very obviously intervene and bring propriety to a situation that may have, you know, made it appropriate for Henrietta and her family to claim that her reputation had been compromised. So Sophia's family then throw her out and she sleeps in the parish church that night and is like, don't really know what I'm going to do. Might go to London. Her uncle gave her like the money to get the stagecoach and was like, never come back here. 
So she was about to go off and do that when Vincent hears about it, comes to her, her rescue, and is like, we should get married. And he really likes her. He finds her voice really, really pleasant, but she is not attractive. So everyone else is like, what are you doing? She's hideous. And he's like, I think she's Which mostly beautiful. seems to be, they just think she's unattractive because she's cut her hair so short she looks like a boy. Yes, that's what they always talk about. As someone with short hair, I am offended on behalf of all of us. At any rate, so they get married. And they then, like, marry in London and then they have to, like, go back to his estate. And so, obviously, there's tension with who is this woman, blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of it. Oh, the only other thing to mention. So, Sophia is like, I don't see how this benefits you. And they had kind of shared their deepest secrets. And his oh, yeah, deepest you have secret, to mention yeah, the I arrangement, do. I don't you? The title. And so, his deepest, like, desire is to live free and independent. So to not rely on another human being, particularly another female, to function. So obviously that's his goal because he feels that his disability is requiring him to rely on others in a way that he doesn't want to do. And hers was to have her own cottage. All she wanted was her own little piece of land somewhere in England where she could live with cats by herself. No one else lives there. She's beholden to no one. She begs, borrows, and steals nothing from anyone, and she can just live out a quiet, peaceful, solitary life. And so he says, all right, look, I get that that's what you want. I want to be free, but my mum and my sisters are going to force me to marry. You're going to end up on the streets, let's be honest. I owe you, so why don't we get married and we'll stay married for 12 months? And we'll see how it goes, and then Mm -hmm. we can separate, and you can have your cottage, and... Yeah, and he's like, and I'll still visit you, and it's not like I'm going to, like, go, because she's like, are you going to go off and have affairs? He's like, no, I will be married to you. Like, that's, that's like, But you I can have faithful, your own space. But I will let you have your life that you wanted, and so we can give this gift to each other. That's the arrangement. And she was like, mm, don't know how I feel about that, but at the end of the day was like, I don't have any choice. So mm. she marries him. And then, obviously, there's, like, tension around. Do they the still want that as time goes on? And no more, because that's the whole story the end amy what do you think of the arrangement i feel like i already know but please tell our listeners because they haven't had chats with you today i thought that he was a sweetheart wasn't he just they were very good communicators Mm -hmm. which at some times meant that i felt that there was too much dialogue in it there was just a lot of talking in this story as opposed to like internal monologue or action You know how I love a bit of description, like that type of stuff. I Um, also feel along exactly the same lines that the amount of dialogue and their real maturity and self-reflection and ability to articulate that clearly and calmly to one another and listen, properly listen to the other person, meant that there was a lot less tension. Yes. So that was, so he was a sweetheart. They were really good communicators, which meant neither of them were really annoying, but I found it slow to get into, Yeah. particularly once he proposed. That was like all the tension happened up to the point of proposal. Yep. And then they were just so nice and kind to each other. So it took a while for there to be tension and there wasn't, like I was expecting when they got back to the house, there'd be some sort of like, dun, dun, dun. there was sort of a little bit like she's like, it was just do like I reconcile vague, with my family yeah. type stuff? But the conflict oh, yeah, I remember that. was the arrangement. That was the conflict. Mm. And it didn't really, ultimately, because they were good communicators and because they were kind to each other, it didn't really seem necessary. Like no. if they just talk it out, they'll resolve and, it and, and it won't day, be a conflict anymore. 
And at the end of the day, when they talk about it and resolve it, it just isn't a conflict anymore. Yeah. It's just that they were busy and hadn't got around to having that particular chat yet. So I would probably say that on this read, like it was what, it was a rather sweet book and I can see it growing on me. Yeah. Even though in this first read, I would say that you not were a huge amount happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a bit underwhelming. But I, as I was reading it, I had this sort of niggle going, I feel like there's a Julia Quinn or something that I really like that not a lot happens in, and I read it a lot, and you're like, why do you keep reading that book? Nothing happens in that book. Mm. There's a bu- there's a book in our lives that plays that role for me, and I can't remember what book it is. I thought it was a Georgette Heyer. It might be a Georgette Heyer where, yeah, I think it is, and nothing really happens, and you don't like it, and I really like it. We'll come back to that. We'll yeah. realise what it is. But this I think I could, like, I'm actually interested in rereading it in a few years' time yeah. to see whether it fulfills that for fills you. that little space where I just need a book to be peaceful with, yes. where I don't want the ups and downs. I didn't cry in this book. There wasn't really anything to cry about. No. But sometimes I do want a romance novel where I'm like, oh, oh God, my heart's wrenched. Yes. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. Mm. I don't know where I sit on it at the Would moment. Would you recommend it? Someone's like, hey, Amy, I've found this book. It's called The Arrangement by Mary Bello. Should I read this or should I throw it in? Like, should I give it well, away? Well, given the premise of our podcast is don't have time. Like, if you're yeah, time short, that is the premise. I'd probably say no, I wouldn't recommend it, but I, I'm going to give it another go yeah, to okay. see how it fits in my life. And sure. therefore, it might turn out that I treasure it, but I wouldn't recommend it for the purposes of this podcast. Whew! Your turn. Wow. Couple of caveats there. Please make sure you read the fine print before accepting any recommendations from Amy. Yeah, I think mine is a lot simpler than your kind of take on it. I found the meandery, not much happening, to be quite comforting. I would say though, I am presently mm. in a, po- a point in my life that is quite tumultuous, and there's a lot of tension and stress going on in my life at the moment. So I think I took quite a lot of comfort in a book where everyone just communicates well, and there was things they had to sort out and make it they had to make it work and they had to be patient with one another and with themselves to kind of learn this whole new way of being and that's kind of for me the theme of this book is learning how to be again Mm. when you thought you had when you thought you had accepted your world as being one way and now it's going to be another way for better like so in her case her world had gotten significantly better and she had to work out where she fit in that world now and and how does she come to terms with belonging in that place and feeling worthy of that and place. And being Lady Darling. Exactly. And on his end, he was still coming to terms with – he had come to terms with being blind and he had come to terms with the kind of – the some things that were restrictions, but he really beautifully kind of pushes back against – a kind of blanket restriction on his life because of blindness. And so he was trying to find himself as a man because he was blinded as a young man, as a boy, on that kind of he was journey to when adulthood. He was like 17. So, you know, him trying to find his space as an adult man, free of all of those kind of trappings of childhood and adolescence. In a, in a world he never expected to find himself in. I think that was just really lovely and I think it managed it really well and they were so kind and sweet and loving to each other and mm. they were kind and patient with themselves and their communication was good and they didn't take they everything personally. They had an argument personally. at one point where they're like, was this our first argument? Yeah, And I was like, yeah, I think this is our first argument. Like, oh. You're like, and was that an argument? It. You guys are adorable. But So they were very adorable but I'm not sure – and. 
like, would you read any of the other Survivors Club series? I just don't know whether I want to dig. No, I didn't from reading at the moment. Yeah, no, reading like the other ones because they obviously he references the other people and a lot of the people appear in this. Absolutely, there's probably maybe the woman. I think I would be interested in seeing what. Yes, it's a group of men and one woman. And one woman. I think I'd be interested in reading her story, but I don't know that I necessarily need to go any deeper into that. Like his trauma is significant and really upsetting and the way she writes someone who has been rendered blind through an accident i found very it it rang very true for me as a sighted person like what do i know but it rang very true for me the kinds of those moments of overwhelming panic when you know you snap your eyes open in a moment and you can't see anything, but yeah. you expected to be able to, and you're and reminded you again, remember and, that once you and could. that kind of panic attack that you have, and kind of the way he talks himself down off that ledge, was yeah. I just found that really honest. It felt really honest and really interesting. That having been said, towards the end, he goes on like this testosterone fueled kind of macho kind of thing against someone who had slighted Sophia, Sophia, Sophie, whatever her name is. Um, And I was like, this is unnecessary. This is such a weird testosterone-filled moment that I didn't feel was necessary in the book. But it was fine. It's a romance novel and I could forgive it that moment. So, yeah, I, unlike you, I would recommend this book and I will probably reread it. So I don't know if I would say it was like a treasure treasure. Like I didn't. I didn't devour it, and I think it would depend very seriously on the, like, kind of headspace mm. I was in. But overall, yeah, it was all right. Didn't mind it. it was okay. okay. The end. Mm. Sorry, everyone. I thought you'd be a lot more virulent in your beigety. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. like, about tension. But I guess they win because they were good communicators. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it was not a book a lack with of no tension. tension and a book with terrible communication, you would have been furious and not finished that's it. just daring the Duke where it has no tension because <laughs> it makes no actual sense. Whereas this is, just was no tension because it's the same as when I feel like my husband and I lack tension in our relationship because I'm just like, this is how I feel. And he's like, I understand and recognize your feelings because, like, we've taught each other how to communicate and our fights are embarrassing now. Like, it's hilarious. But, yeah, so I think they just they just kind of become an old married couple by kind of the second yeah, they're the like second an month old married couple at age 23 So it's such a weird 22. thing to read, such a quick... Yeah, they you know, read as a lot older than they actually are. Absolutely. And it's interesting because the author met, gets him to mention quite a few times that... He was 23. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, remember, they're not actually in their 60s. Yeah. He is only 23. Yeah. All right. At any rate, thank you so much for spending some of your time with us once again. Join us next week. We'll bring you more spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations. And until then, happy, happy reading! And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.